Um, <clears throat> we finished um, last time uh, looking <clears throat> at this passage, and we um, will p- go back just a few verses and pick up uh, overlapping where we read last Lord's Day evening in the Gospel of John. Uh, but Our Lord Jesus is a glorious Savior. So let's read this portion together in unison. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see the man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, I are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, 
And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. What a glorious Savior. These Samaritans um, had heard the testimony of this lady. And uh, as Jesus stayed there for those two days, um, they then said, well, we no longer believe because of what she said. Uh, we believe because we have heard with our own ears uh, the Savior. And he indeed is the Savior of the world. Well, may the Lord give us great joy to learn more of this wonderful Savior and encourage our hearts and stir us up to be eager to share with the people around us this week. Um, here is the one who is the Christ. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to ask Elder Eric Schrader, please, to lead us in prayer. Amen. Please turn with me in your hymnals, our first hymn this evening, hymn number 76. And you'll notice that <clears throat> this hymn is taken from Psalm 103. Um, Psalm 103 uh, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And so let's lift our voices together. Hymn 76.
hymn 497. As we were reminded this morning, we need a Savior. We need Jesus. And this is the prayer of our heart, crying to the Lord for his saving mercy. Let's sing. I need thee, Elder Steve French uh, to lead us in prayer for some of the needs in our congregation. Uh, we'll have people traveling, not just back and forth.
Amen. Please turn with me in God's holy word to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 36. 2 Chronicles, chapter 36. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse 16 uh, down through the end of this chapter. Hear now the word of the living God. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. And therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed the young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or aged. He gave them all into his hand and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword. And they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. <coughs> now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that even though sin is real, even though it has disastrous consequences, yet you still reign on high. And that precious ending to this book reminds us of your amazing grace and mercy. And so, Lord, encourage our hearts this night as individuals, as families, as a church family. That, Lord, you would stir us up to have a renewed love for you, Lord Jesus. A renewed Hatred for our own remaining sin. A renewed zeal 
to pray, uh, to stand for you with boldness and compassion in this day, calling and pleading with the people around us to take refuge in you, O Lamb of God. Grant, Lord, uh, that you would bless us with such a heart and that you would revive our hearts and bless and keep our families and our congregation. And Lord, have mercy upon our nation. In Jesus we pray, amen. In this portion of Scripture, we see that the Lord did not leave his people in this exile. Seventy years is a long time. And the Lord had given his people instruction. Um, if you'll turn with me again to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25. Jeremiah, chapter 25. We looked at this passage several weeks ago. And again tonight now, we want to notice uh, several things in this passage. We see in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. And that was the first king that we looked at in this chapter. And you remember he was a king that rebelled against the Lord. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he was removed uh, after 11 years. Uh, he served for 11 years and then he was removed by the king of Egypt. Jeremiah had given him instruction. Uh, the Lord had reminded his people uh, that if he sought the Lord, uh, the Lord would have mercy upon them. And we see in uh, verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem for 23 years from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. And therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because 
You have not obeyed my words. Behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all these surrounding nations. Now, I want you to notice before we continue reading that Nebuchadnezzar here is referred to as God's servant. Nebuchadnezzar at that point was a pagan. Nebuchadnezzar at that point had not been changed and converted as we see happened uh, in the book of Daniel chapter 4. But at this point, Nebuchadnezzar is an unconverted, pagan, arrogant, vicious man. And yet, God Almighty, the sovereign of heaven and earth, says, I rule, and this pagan king is my servant. That's an encouragement to us. In our day, even though we may have pagan, vicious, mean rulers, yet God reigns as sovereign. That's one of the lessons that we need to take to heart. And find great comfort in. Well, we keep reading. Nebuchadnezzar is my servant. And I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all these surrounding nations. I will devote them to destruction and make them a horror, a hissing, and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will banish from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the grinding of the millstones and the light of the lamp. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. I will bring upon that land all the words that I have uttered against it, everything written in this book, which Jeremiah prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall make slaves even of them, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending among them. So I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom the Lord sent me drink it. Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, its kings and officials, to make them a desolation and a waste, a hissing and a curse, as at this day. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his servants, his officials, all his people, and all the mixed tribes among them, all the kings of the land of Uz, and all the kings of the land of the Philistines, Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, 
and the sons of Ammon, all the kings of Tyre, all the kings of Sidon, and the kings of the coastland across the sea, Dedan, Timah, Buzz, and all who cut the corners of their hair, all the kings of Arabia, all the kings of the mixed tribes who dwell in the desert, all the kings of Zimri, all the kings of Elam, and all the kings of Media, all the kings of the north, far and near, one after another, and all the kingdoms of the world that are on the face of the earth, and after them the king of Babylon shall drink. And then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink, be drunk, and vomit, fall, and rise no more, because of the sword that I am sending among you. And if they refuse to accept the cup from your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, You must drink. For behold, I begin to work disaster at the city that is called by my name, and shall you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished, for I am summoning a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, declares the Lord of hosts. A second thing that we are reminded of in this passage is, and we see that in verse 29, that judgment begins from the household of God. And that is a truth that is repeated over in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. Uh, when you see revival and reformation and a house cleaning take place in the church, then you know that God is getting ready to deal with those who are outside the church. Judgment begins from the household of God. And the Lord began with house cleaning his own people. And then he said, after I used Nebuchadnezzar to clean house among my people, then I will deal with Nebuchadnezzar. God also used Nebuchadnezzar to deal with all of these other nations. But Nebuchadnezzar and his descendants, they would also be judged by Almighty God. What a comfort it is that the God of heaven reigns on high. Now a third glorious truth that we want to see from the book of Jeremiah is over in chapter 29. God gave a message to his people who had been carried off in the captivity a word of encouragement and hope that God would be with them even during that period of chastening. In Jeremiah chapter 29, these are the words that God sent by his prophet Jeremiah to the exiles, the people who were living now during this 70-year period of time. This 70 years began in 607 B.C. under King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah was reigning at that time and Nebuchadnezzar came and he captured the city but he left it intact 
and he carried off some of the uh, cream of the crop, you would say, some of the uh, most promising of the young people. He carried off to Babylon uh, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were among those who were carried off in that first wave of people who were captured. And there were many others that were carried off. Uh, in 586 B.C., uh, Zedekiah again uh, had rebelled against the living God, and now uh, the Lord destroyed the city completely, burned it to the ground, and that's what we read about uh, there in Second uh, uh, Chronicles chapter 36. But even in the midst of that uh, heartache, God had a message of hope for his people. Um, we'll start reading at the end of um, verse 3. Whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, it said, Thus says the Lord of hosts. And so here's the message that God sent through his prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. And you remember we looked at some of those false prophets' message, and it was that you're not going to have to wait 70 years. Uh, this is just going to be a short little uh, uh, blip on the screen time-wise and Nebuchadnezzar will be overthrown, and it'll be uh, business as usual. And the Lord sent word and said, no, I've told you up front, it's going to be 70 years long. But I'm going to be with you. Do not despair. Don't listen to the false prophets that it's going to be a short time. Uh, neither despair and think that there's no future and no hope for the people of God. Now, we're not going to take the time, but God had already set the stage for this through his prophet Jeremiah because one of the things he had had Jeremiah do was to buy a piece of property and, and, and to secure the deed uh, in a safe place. Because he said there's going to be a future for the people of God after they return to this place, after 70 years. 
But here he says, during this 70-year period of time, I will be with you. And even though we are living in a day where the church is under judgment by Almighty God, we are under the chastening hand of Almighty God, uh, yet, uh, in a sense, we're living in Babylon, even in our own land. And yet, there is a future and a hope for the people of God. And God calls upon us to keep humbly seeking to be faithful to Jesus, to have Christian homes, and to serve Jesus and pray for the welfare of the place where God has put us and to be salt and light the best we can, uh, showing the mercy and compassion of Jesus as we boldly stand upon his word in our day. Well, there is a fourth thing that we need to learn from all of this, and if you'll turn back with me now to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 36. The chronicler is writing from a vantage point of after these 70 years. And he now is reminding the people of what is happening. And we read in verse 22, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. After these 70 years, God stirred in another pagan king. The Babylonian Empire now has been replaced by the media Persian Empire. And Cyrus is now the servant of the Lord. This was foretold by the prophet Isaiah. And if you'll turn with me in the book of Isaiah, we will read just a few verses in chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. Now this is hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus was born. It was also... 150 years before this event took place. And notice what we read in verse 1 of Isaiah 45. Thus says the Lord. Now this is through the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him, and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him, that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. 
I equip you, though you do not know me, that the people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Well, Cyrus is this servant now that the Lord stirred in his heart. This another pagan king. And we do not know exactly what Cyrus understood. Uh, we know that it was his practice when he would conquer kingdoms unlike the Babylonians that would take them out of their homeland and put them in a different place to live. Cyrus, uh, he championed the idea of letting people that he conquered continue to live in, in, their, in their own homelands. And uh, that's what he does now uh, when he becomes the king of this growing empire. The Babylonian Empire conquered the whole known world. The Media-Persian Empire arrives on the scene and expands even further, gobbling up the Babylonian Empire. Uh, after that, uh, the book of Daniel foresaw in chapter 2, the Greek Empire would come and expand even further. And then there would be another empire that would be even greater than it in size and in its power, the Roman Empire. And the Lord told Daniel, uh, in the days of that fourth empire, there would be a little rock cut out of a mountain without human hands, and it would strike this statue that represented all of these succeeding world empires and all of these empires would come crashing down, and that little rock would pulverize what was left of this and turn it into powder, and all of these empires, then the wind would just scatter like the dust of the earth. But this little rock would begin to grow and grow and grow and become a mighty mountain that would fill the earth. That is what God Almighty revealed to his people. And the fourth thing that we see is that there is a future and a hope for God's people. Both short-term, even though it may be a time of great distress, yet the Lord is with his people and as his people, we have a glorious future and hope. And that's what we see. Why does the chronicler talk about Cyrus? God Almighty stirred. And you see that in verse 22. And the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Seventy years. And Cyrus issues his decree in 537 B.C. The exile began 607. And if you do the math, guess how many years that is? 
It's 70 years. And God fulfilled his promise that after 70 years, he would bring his people back to the land. And who would have ever dreamed that he would stir in the heart of a pagan king to accomplish his purposes? But we see that the word by the, of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. There's a proverb that I want you to turn to, and then we're going to come back to Second Chronicles and finish looking at this. In Proverbs chapter 21, turn to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, the king's heart, and it's not specifying which king. It doesn't matter who is king. God is the king of kings. He reigns over the kings of the earth. He reigns over history. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. What a comfort. Uh, if you ever uh, have a situation where you need to get in touch with somebody who is in charge, uh, one of our dear members here had an injury and they were trying to get in touch with uh, someone about their disability. It can be so frustrating. You make a phone call and they put you on hold and then you finally talk to somebody and they say, no, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. That's this department. And they send you over to that department and put you on hold. And then finally you talk to somebody and they say, well, you've got to fill this form out. If you don't fill this form out, we, we can't help you. Praise God that even though we don't have clout to be able to call up uh, uh, people who are in authority, uh, in a very real sense, we have something far better. We have access to the throne room of heaven. And our God, who loves us and has redeemed us by giving his own son, he has given us the privilege of prayer. And our God rules over the kings of the earth. What a comfort that is. The king's heart is like streams of water in the Lord's hands. Our God turns those king's hearts whichever way he wishes it to go. And so here we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, God turned the heart of King Cyrus. And King Cyrus issued a decree. King Cyrus' decree was, you can go back to the land and rebuild the city and the temple. Now God blessed his people. There were just a few who left the region of, of Babylon, which was now the media Persian Empire, um, and, and came back. Um, how did they come back? Uh, what was their attitude? Well, if you'll turn with me um, to the book of Daniel, 
um, Daniel chapter 9. And we'll just look at a few of the verses here uh, in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, a descent by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. And so here's this now old man. Daniel is, is no longer a young man. Uh, when he was when, when he was carried off. Uh, he has served under Nebuchadnezzar, uh, his son, uh, uh, Belteshazzar, uh, Darius, um, you remember him being in the lion's den? Um, and now uh, here we read, Daniel is reading the prophet Jeremiah. And he reads, it's 70 years, and Daniel does the math, and he goes, oh, it's time. And what does Daniel do? Daniel prays. Daniel humbles himself before the living God. And so here's what his prayer is. Look at verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant, and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near, those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us. Because we have sinned against him. You remember we saw in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26 that God had warned his people he would destroy the city and he would carry his people off into captivity. That's what Daniel is saying. Lord, you did just what you said you would do. Our fathers refused to heed. They refused to repent and turn to the Christ. Verse 12. 
He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. And therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice, and now... O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. And now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. And then look at the answer to this prayer. Look at verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, and so it's the same angel that appeared uh, to Mary and to Joseph, the angel Gabriel, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight. At the time of the evening sacrifice, he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy. Now I want you to notice. He said at the beginning of your prayer. A word went out. What word? God said, Daniel, I got a mission for you. Here's what I want you to do. And I have come to tell it to you. For you are greatly loved. Therefore consider the word. And understand the vision. And so then the Lord revealed to him the timetable uh, before God's Messiah would come. And the Lord reminded him that he would even in history cause the rebuilding of the temple uh, in short order. And then the great temple the one who tabernacled among men would come. Well, the last thing that we want to see in Second Chronicles tonight 
That was how they come back. Seventy years is up, but the Lord also stirred in the heart of this man to humble himself before the Lord, to repent and cry to the Lord for mercy. And the Lord stirred in the heart of Cyrus, and he ordered the people could come back and the city and the temple could be rebuilt. Praise God that God is full of mercy to those who repent. Now, we're going to stop there tonight. Um, we have two more things that we want to learn before we close the book of Second Chronicles. Uh, but I leave you tonight with this amazing, amazing reminder. As the Lord told Jeremiah in chapter 25, he would cause all of those nations to drink from the cup of wrath. Even God's people would have to drink judgment. And it is a cup that is even more spine-tingling that our Lord Jesus agonized over in the garden. You remember he prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me, yet not my will but thine be done. Why is it that God's people have a hope and a future? Why is it that even though we may live in a time like God's people did in Jeremiah's day, when chastening comes, yet the Lord offers hope and life. It is because of God's mercy. And God's mercy was purchased. God's mercy comes at an incredible price. God's mercy is ours not because we've earned it as Daniel prayed. Lord, I'm not praying because I have any righteousness to bargain with you about, but I'm begging for your mercy. And the one who purchased mercy for us is God himself, who in the fullness of time sent his own son. And Jesus took that cup of God's eternal justice and drank it for us, his little lambs, so that we might be forgiven and go free. That's why we have a future and a hope. That's why we have the promises of God that he will care for us now in history. And that's why we have the joy of heaven itself to look forward to. That's why we have the confidence that our labors are not in vain in the Lord because we have a living Savior who still guides history accomplishing his good purposes. Even the kings, even the pagan kings in our day, whether they acknowledge Heaven reigns or not, ultimately, they must do his bidding. And he is working all things together 
for the ultimate good of his people as he brings glory to his name. Yes, we may find ourselves in great distress momentarily. And there are times when judgment comes upon nations. It did upon the nation of Jerusalem. And yet there is hope and a future for those who belong and are trusting in Jesus. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, please write these precious truths upon our heart. Oh, Lord, we have much to be encouraged uh, from as we think about Daniel's prayer and how he acknowledged that you are the sovereign and that your word is true and that you are a holy God and that his only hope was the mercy of Christ. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who hears and answers the prayers of your people. Oh, Lord, it thrills our heart that at the beginning of Daniel's prayer, you sent the answer to his prayer even before he prayed it by the angel Gabriel who was sent in swift flight and got there at the end of his prayer and gave the answer. And it was the revelation that you were going to rebuild uh, uh, Jerusalem in short order and that in the fullness of time you would send the one who would restore your house, who would be the literal fulfillment of all of the shadows and the types of the Old Testament, who would come uh, and tabernacle among men as we read there in John chapter 1. And so, Lord Jesus, how we praise you that you drank the cup of wrath uh, in the place of your sheep so that we might be forgiven and drink of a different cup, the cup of blessing. Oh, Lord Encourage us this night. Stir us up, Lord, to give ourselves anew to you and to press on building houses, building Christian homes, standing for you, Lord Jesus, in uh, the realm of, of business and education and every facet of life, flying the banner of the King of Kings. And Lord God, that you would take us and use us for your glory as you see fit in our day, knowing that we have your presence and a glorious future, both in this life and in the life to come. In Jesus we pray, amen. Well, if you would, turn with me to hymn 682. 682, and we'll sing as the response of our heart before we come to the Lord's table. 682.